It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official BG shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Today's episode 132 is being recorded June 21st, 2019. And brought to you by our awesome show sponsor, betonline.ag. Um, before we get to our special guest um, in this episode, I'd like to uh, take a moment and recognize uh, two unbelievable people that have uh, really brought an unbelievable uh, aspect to this program, and, and that's the efforts of Court Lalonde and Rob Tomlin. Uh, these two gentlemen have been uh, with me on this uh, show for uh, well over two years, and um, uh, and things are going to start changing uh, over the off season with the, with the show, so um, uh, Court is no longer going to be on the program, and we are solely going to miss him and what he brings uh, to the table. Uh, Rob has... Uh, 
uh, expressed some interest in, in doing something at a lower scale, but he's unsure of right now. So uh, we won't know exactly what's going on till uh, September when we, when we fire things up for the 2019-20 season. So I just wanted to take some time to uh, reflect on their efforts and, and really just say how much I appreciate the time and, and, and what they brought to the program. And uh, they're just really class acts and, and, and two people that I really consider good friends. So this is, it's not easy for me to, to just uh, split ways, walk away, but I'm glad that we can all still be friends and, and, and still talk hockey on the Twitter and, and, uh, and any other social media that we currently use together. But again, Rob and Court, thank you so much for your time and effort and um, enjoy the show. Hello, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Today's episode 132 is being recorded on June 21st, 2019 and brought to you by our awesome show sponsor, betonline.ag. This week we have a decent list of top Bruins-related topics to go over, but before all of that, I'd like to welcome first-time guest and dear friend Heather Ingus into the program. Heather, what's up, man? Nothing. What's going on? Nothing. Just sitting here talking some bees with a good friend, and I enjoy that. Well, here we go. Finally, <laughs> it took a few minutes, but... Uh, a few minutes. This is like take... Four, yeah, four. in a twelve-hour <laughs> escapade. It's been a long week, yeah. but Mark is nothing if not dedicated to making sure you guys get this content. I have no hair, and it's going gray fast. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're going to get an episode in today, and I really appreciate your time. So thank you for joining me. Thank and, you for having me. And first-time guest is always it was always a good one. It's almost like bringing. Uh, the the person the first person to their first Bruins game. I love being that person yeah. because, you know, you can't look inside, can't do anything until we get to our door, and then Heaven's Gates open up yeah. the C's part, and, and it's Boston Bruins uh, hockey. So, yeah. with that being said, I, I, I kind of think I did that to you. <laughs> well, you were my first Marty Brodeur game, that's for sure. Like, oh. you, you, that was definitely my first game that I went to, like... With my friends and not, like, going with family members or whoever. You know, friends, parents, or whatever. That was a very fun adventure that day. So, let me ask you, was that the the ins- inspirational point to, for you to, like, grab on to hockey or Boston Bruins hockey? Or was uh, it later on or before? Uh, before. I used to, I mean, I, I grew up in Metro Boston and, you know, Bobby Orr and all that's kind of part of the lore you grow up with. Like, you know, John Winthrop and whatever the... Puritans, but I used to watch it with my grandfather a lot, and I used to watch it on my old black and white TV as a kid in my bedroom with the bunny ears. Ah, uh, we're showing our age. That's yeah, no, I'm old. WSBK, <laughs> it was great. That and, like, Double Creature Feature or whatever, that was the best things on that channel. But, no, I just always love hockey because I'm a girl that likes violence. And uh, <laughs> when I was a kid, it was very violent. Now it's a lot different, but I like it still the same. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for... for any any particular um who's your favorite Bruin growing up? My favorite Bruin growing up, well that's hard. I guess Ray Bork because yeah. like from my our generation, like Ray Bork is our Bobby Orr, and yep. you know before he became the Ray Bork, he is like he was our guy. So it was like like I'm one of those people like I don't feel like Ray Bork won the cup in Colorado for me, but he won it for him, and I'm happy just the same. Yeah. Like because right. yeah, but Ray Bork, I mean, all right. Um, we got a long list of topics to go over, so uh, let's just get started. Um, let's wrap up the 2018-19 regular season. Uh, the Boston Bruins uh, obviously uh, end the year in second place in the league. Um, 
So and then they go into the playoffs. So just uh, we'll talk the playoffs going up to the um, the conference final against the Carolina Hurricanes. I in my opinion, it was a great year. Um, a lot of trials and tribulations, uh, injuries that had to be overcome, next man up mentality. Uh, the cliches go on and on, but. It was a positive year to a dull start, and, and getting to where they did um, is not only good as a Bruins fan. The outcome sucked, but it's not only good as a Bruins fan. It's positive movement forward. So uh, let's hear your thoughts on what you thought about the season and leading up to the, uh, the final series. Carolina. Yeah. Well, I think it was a good season overall. I think, you know, we started the year with all the, in- you know, we always have injuries, and it's like, oh, God, here we go again. And it's always kind of slow, but... By the time it got, like, first week of December, you could tell, like, you know, people were getting healthier, but even everybody was coming in and out of the lineup, you could see them bonding, and, like, you can have a team full of superstars, but if you have no chemistry, that's something that I think we, we, we've lacked, like, just really trying to find the right fit, not that we haven't had great people in and out, but just the clicking, and I think they just, they've been very consistent this year. Like, you know, they weren't ever not in the top five of the team, so where some teams, like, came you know, made their push or did whatever. I mean, the Bruins were pretty solidly in the top five, so that's nice to see, you know, because a lot, we've had a few years in the last decade where it's like, oh, God, are we going to make the playoffs? Yeah. Are we even going to make the playoffs? And we usually do. We've had a couple of years we didn't, but that anxiety going into no, the seven, last week of March. <laughs> seven straight years so. of being in the playoffs, which included a Stanley Cup uh, championship in 2011. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a... a that was a team that was built for a championship, and I think by getting out of the playoffs, unfortunately, for two straight years, uh, almost a third year, um, it is it happens. I mean, that's the trend of the NHL is like, you know, you build up, you build up, but all those prospects that you brought through the system and signed are now veterans and so on. So now the, the process is starting over to rebuild a winner. And I think that that little lull that the Bruins had a couple of years ago and not being in the postseason has really turned things around for the better. Well, it, yeah, it was like there was that gap time where they didn't quite have enough veterans or young players. You know, and you had, that's when, like, Marshawn and them, they're kind of in the middle. Like, they, they're like the Tory Crews on the team. Yep. They're, like, middle-aged, been there a little bit, but not, like, have right. 20 years of experience like some of them. But. I just think that they've looked like a team that's having fun and really care and like invested. Not that I guess that's on all teams, but the support from one each other. Yeah, uh, the, like the 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 family camaraderie is just unbelievable. It's um, been fun to watch them. Yeah, have fun. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you could definitely see it in the locker room. Uh, I have not been there yet, but um, with with social media these days, video and cell phones and so on, you get uh, more access to to stuff like that and and how emotionally you can see a player discuss certain moments uh, in a game or you know, about life. Uh, so I, I do like that aspect of social media. That's probably much the only thing I really yeah. like about it because it's a, a huge dumpster fire most of the time. But uh, dumpster fire is the segue uh, that I'm going to go right into, and, and that was the Stanley Cup Finals. And uh, this one hurt. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say congratulations to the 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, um, from going from the literally the basement to raising the greatest trophy in the world is a story in itself. But some some key members of that team really stepped up. Um, 
uh, front running by Jordan Bennington and his come out of nowhere um, style, his game, and and his it just no he that guy could not be. Um, I don't even know the word flat. You know what I mean? He he just came out and just stuck it in everybody's face, and uh, you know. So congratulations to them. Huge shout out to Jeff Pond and my boy at the Let's Go Blues uh, Radio podcast. Those guys really uh, give me a couple shout outs, uh, a bunch lately. It's probably because I'm grieving. Yeah. So, um, but no, shout out to those guys. They do a great job, and congratulations to you. Uh, this is their seventh year. They were pretty much the the first St. Louis Blues uh, podcast. So. Uh, kudos to them on seven years and 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 leading up to the moment uh, that happened just a week ago. So, um, yeah. So, <laughs> your thoughts on the series, Heather, and and how do you feel now? Um, well, I thought it was a good series. I mean, a lot of times you get a boring Cup final, and nobody wants that because everybody loves the Stanley Cup finals. Even if you don't watch hockey, people tune in just to see what's going to happen. Ratings were unbelievable. I think, yeah, like this is some of the best ratings they've had in uh, a record. while. Or ever. yeah, like it's yeah, and it's nice, especially because the Blues. I mean, even though they've had a team for a very long time, and the Blues fans are clearly diehard fans, and I guess that's one of the biggest things I'm all right with them winning because I don't feel like they didn't deserve to win. Like, had I felt that way, I'd be even more sad, and now I'm going to cry thinking about it. But still, um, I would give more shout-outs to the captain and uh, some of the other people than Bennington, although he was amazing. I think his defense really short. His Ryan O'Reilly, unbelievable. Yeah, like, uh, Colton Perenko. awesome. Like, I just love yeah. yeah per- I mean, you could do the list on and on. Basically, yeah. I don't have an issue with the Blues, except for I hate their coach and I hate David Perron. Other than that, <laughs> I'm okay with them winning the Cup now that I've had a week and a half to really mull it over. But do you want me to talk about how much I took... I went through phases with Game 7, though, because it's like, okay, first it's like... First we lost, then we didn't. Actually, I I literally went through the seven stages of grief. (laughs) So it was like, first it was like, why is this happening? Is this really happening? Why does Ryan Ryan O'Reilly have to caress Con Smythe? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. (laughs) The next day was, like, kind of denial. Like, okay, that was definitely the worst dream I've had in a while. Not because I didn't think the Blues were a good team and could beat us, but I just didn't think they would beat us. Right. In denial, I turn on the TV. Oh, fuck, it really happened. There they are. There they are. The boys crying. Like, everything happened. Then I felt guilty because I was like, I mean... I guess it's all right to have lost to the Blues. I mean, I love that Layla Carroll, and again, everybody but Baruby and Corona, I'm okay with. They party like rock stars. Okay, cool. Like, we get that. We're Bostonians. I'm on board. Then I was like, anger. Fuck the top line. Fuck most of the second line. Fuck that. Sorry about the... But yeah, sorry, but that's what it was, because when I'm angry, I swear, (laughs) on and on. Like, Like, why didn't we leave... Clifton in, like, what, I, it, that was just, like, the angry yeah. thing, now it's, like, reflecting, like, I know it was bad, but when I started really thinking about Game 7, it got worse, and then finally, like I said, well, whatever, have your parade, it's cool, next year, but it's still 17 weeks until I get to see my team again, not trying to be selfish, I know the rest of you have been home for a while, but. <laughs> um, so... Moving on to the next topic, what what has to happen for this Bruins team to cross the threshold of hoisting an, a seventh Stanley Cup? I'll let you go first on this one because I I have a thing a couple of things that I want to think about, but I I'm solid on one of them or two of them actually. 
Like, what I think we need, what we yeah, need. Yeah, what, what has to happen, it's like... I think the core, well, I mean, I know we we're going to talk about this later, about but, like, later. generally, just, like, I do, like, I think our core is all right, you know, I mean, obviously, Chara won't be around probably much longer, and there's some people in the middle that are at the end of their contract, or whatever do you do with them, right? I think the first thing we need to do is figure out what is going on in the system and what we're going to keep and really you're, you are the next wave coming in as people go out, whatever, and who we need to package to help us. I think we need a bigger forward on the second line or yeah. any any right wing on the second line that yeah, will. Because um, I, I think as good as we are, and I do think our for our player size, they, are, they can be rough and tough, but like you saw in the... When they played the Blues, right? Because they're another team that can get physical after a little bit. And yeah, that's late in the thing. But just generally, they play kind of that same style of, you know, not like super hitty, you know, whatever. But like just powerful, right? You don't, you stand up. You don't let right. people go around, you know, whatever kind of hockey. So, but I do think we need a little bit more power, meaning like strength on. It's great to be fast, but if you're going to get leveled by the defense the minute, every time you enter the zone, that's useless too yeah. when you don't have the support necessary to help you get, you know, you got to retain the puck either way. Yeah, right? exactly. I don't want to circle him around. I'm just thinking. You, right. you go and I'll <laughs> think. My, my thing is, is there's two things, and I've said this for a couple of years now. I still think that even with the core we have right now, um, I still think that we definitely have to identify somebody whether it be via trade, whether it be free agency, um, you know, if, if, if Sweeney doesn't want to give up the assets in a trade, that's fine. So go out and hammer somebody on free agency after July 1st. I mean, there's a pretty decent list, and, and I, I particularly believe that this free agent class is much better uh, than it was last year, which was headlined by uh, John Tavares going from the New York Islanders to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I want to see somebody stability on that second line with Krejci and, and DeBrusque and not the, the dancing Heinen that can go from the first line to the fourth line and up and down. You need to have that person right there at all times. And my second one is another defenseman. You need a defenseman that's got at least Stanley Cup experience or have been in the playoffs deep to get that, you know what I mean? So it, it's, it's all about experience to me. But I still think that they should get one because I don't see anything in the system as of right now. I, I know that a lot of the kids down in Providence still have to mature and learn the pro game. I get it. It's a little slow. But that impact player needs to be on that defense with Chara going away. And if you want to win another one, you're going to have to get it. And I think that they, the Bruins like lost one. I really wanted Jacob Truba. <laughs> I really wanted him, but it is what it is. The Rangers got him, and you know, hopefully the Rangers suck, even though they got they always try to go out and get the best, and they're still terrible. I was going to say, I think this free agency class is not even better, but I think, like, let's face it, the Bruins were maybe in the run for John Tavares, but when all said and done, like, we only have so much money to work with, and yeah. we have a high, we do have room in our cap on, like, some teams, but we don't have necessarily so much cap unless you want to dump a lot of things to afford thing so you know I, you know how I feel you it'd be great to get a superstar but I'm more of like you don't need the superstar you could get like you said the second pair of defensemen that's gone a few rounds has like you know 27 whatever because I I'm very defensemen very rarely are defensemen ready to be 
real NHL defensemen before they're like 24 or 25. It's just a maturity thing. It's a body growing thing. It's the experience. Because a lot of these kids, like, they get dropped in with grown men. (laughs) Like, you know, you're going to get knocked around. you got to learn how to not get knocked around, especially because we've been breeding kind of taller, smaller, quicker players for a while now. Uh, and now I feel like we're going back the backside. Now after St. Louis won the cup, everyone's going to be like, oh, you need like just solid kind of big stand-up defensemen that will feed you the puck. <laughs> I, um, I, you brought up the whole uh, sitting down with John Tavares at the table, and that experience is so valuable to me because Sweeney and his staff, I think, well, I, I don't really know if they've ever really been, especially when Don, since Don Sweeney's been mm-hmm. a general manager, I don't think that he's been at that level to talk to a player like that. So I think that they were going into it like, we don't have a chance getting John Tavares. He's, he's, he, he's already in his pajamas, and he's already planning to go to Toronto. Those so, are great pajamas. So I don't think it was a waste of time, like some fans. Like, why would you go? Why would you, you know, waste comp- uh, corporate... They have millions, don't worry about it. But to sit there and learn, engage where you can go in negotiations and conversations and, and what you can offer is, is huge. And I think that that experience last summer talking to John Tavares is going to be very valuable in maybe entertaining our right winger like Antony Panarin. I probably hacked his name so bad. Antony Panarin. Yeah, the bread man. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I love he him. He is I the bread know. man. He is the goal scorer. I'm wicked bad at freaking songs. Do you you know what I think, though, too, is it's not even the experience. It is the experience on that end. But the other thing I think is reflective is that Boston is a desirable place to go. And especially, I mean, not obviously the Warrior. We finally got, like, the stuff that you're going to draw big name players. But the fact that John Tavares would even entertain the meeting is a good sign because that means... Other people in the league, the players, see that Boston does, they are a very competitive team. They've been perennial players in the possible you could hoist the cup for decades, at least since they've won the cup. You know, maybe. Sorry, I was thinking of 2008 for a second. That was traumatized. But um, but I think that's the bigger thing, is that now this year, like, bigger name play, like, it's getting around. So that means that there's trust in Don Sweeney in the league as a general manager. And you got to learn how to be a GM, too. He was like a player. He's got to have a brain. But, like, I mean, it, like you said, it's a learning process. You don't know how to work with that. Right. And I think he also is very practical in that, yeah, that he doesn't want to spend that much. Like, he would rather get two players for the same price that would be more beneficial to the team than the one big-name player that might blow a giant part of the salary and get injured and not have him even playing for four months away. Sure, absolutely. So. I mean, let me take a moment to um, do this little ad read for our show sponsor, betonline.ag. Uh, even though the hockey season is officially over, there's still many sports worldwide to keep you interested. So if your confidence is high and feeling lucky, we suggest one website that's unlike no other place to place a wager. Get in on the action, grab the odds, and allow the experts at betonline.ag do the heavy lifting for you. Sports, live betting, virtual casinos, you name it. Betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sports book online. Please support our Black and Gold Hockey podcast by going to clnsmedia.com slash Bruins and use the code CLNS50 for 50% back after your first deposit. That's CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com slash Bruins. BetOnline.ag, 
your online sports book expert. I am getting better at my bets. I actually took a little action on that six-game winning streak that the Red Sox had. Oh, jeez, baseball? a little bit of money. You bet on baseball? Hey, listen, I got to bet on something. If Mark can win on baseball, trust me when I say if anyone is clueless about a sport and can win money, he knows nothing about baseball besides the Red Sox play in Boston, the basics I played in gym class, because he doesn't love you. it. He doesn't love it the way he looks. I'm telling you, ever since we've been a sponsor of bet on, uh, our, I'm sorry, Ever since BetOnline.ag has been the sponsor of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, I put down uh, a deposit, got 50% back. Obviously, obviously I used the code because I'm a cheap bastard. But, um, you know, and, and I've been just doing, like, you know, small little bets here and there. I win, I lose, but I'm gaining my, my, my account so I can possibly drop, you know, a bigger bet. And, you know, BetOnline.ag actually has the odds for the Stanley Cup next season, so you can actually take advantage of that um and drop like a hundred bucks and possibly win some decent money don't take tampa no yeah. just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but anyway yeah so so things are going and, and and it's a very friendly uh website by the way and for the newbies like myself it, it really it explains what's going on and um you, you could do like tutorials and this uh, uh frequently asked questions area for the people that don't exactly know how to do the odds and the pluses and minuses and the money lines and, and blah, blah, blah. So check it out. I mean, it's actually a really good website. So um, uh, getting back to the discussion, um, it is the first buyout um, section of the buyout area. <laughs> um, uh, and that started on uh, June 17th, and it goes to the, uh, the 30th of, uh, of June this month. And um, this is the first bio, so I know that there's another one coming up. I'm sure it's after free agency. I think it is. I'm really not sure. I'll have to look into it. But with that being said, there's a lot of hubbub going around on if David Backus should be bought out. And um, just from listening to, a, without doing a ton of research, because I'm, I'm technically on vacation, so I'm, I really haven't been in the office at all uh, in over a week, so... Um, from a lot, of, a lot of people on Twitter, the Bruins, the Bruins fans say that um, it's not worth to buy him out this season, but it might be beneficial to buy out next season. Um, and I did some uh, numbers looking. I did a little bit of research on the iPad. And if, if the Bruins were going to buy him out this season or this up, upcoming season, it would only be $300,000 or a little bit over. So I don't know if it's worth it. I, I know the dollar value is, is very tempting. It's under a million dollars for people to say, yeah, let's do it. But I don't know. I'm kind of, um, I don't know how this whole thing is going to work out and, and how much more they want to put on the buyout number and the cap because they're still paying, I believe, Dennis Seidenberg. Yeah. And I think they just got done paying Jimmy Hayes. Yeah, he, thank God, my Jimmy Hayes horror is finally over. Every time I had to look down, so I'd be like, oh, there he is. Um, also, the Bolesky, we're still hanging on to a little oh, yeah, Bolesky, Bolesky something. Damn, but I think, I that, that. I think this might be the... Could be. I don't Without think. having all the information, yeah. we, uh, we, we're just speculating right now. But, but your thoughts on, on what we should do with Bacchus? Number one... Tell me about if we should buy him out or not, if we should buy him out next year, or is he going to be that type of player that's going to have a 600, I mean, I'm sorry, a $6 million annual average value sitting in the press box? Okay, so there's a couple, I, see, I don't know all the, you know, I, I do know about the business, but I'm not as knowledgeable on, like, exactly how that, all the calculations, but, like, 
uh, the average number seems to be probably 300,000. Like, that would be all that you're seeing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, in the well, end. When you went on capfriendly.com and you did the buyout calculator, uh, I think that's what came out was yeah. you're only getting, you're only losing you know, for $300,000. So yeah. he's technically of value at He's that more point value. As a roster player. Right. But my thing is I was thinking is like, you, there might be a potential, I don't know. Backus has value, but you, obviously his tenure here hasn't been for whatever reason. It hasn't necessarily right. worked. Not because he hasn't been valuable, but just what he wanted to do, what we thought would happen, hasn't happened. But I do think that Backus is, I don't think his contract is so crazy that you can't package him to one of those teams that have like a, they are nowhere near the cap and they got to spend some money kind of thing. Like, would, like if we could get rid of Mark Savard's contract that's been kicking, yeah. kicked around for like whatever, he had like a 105 year contract or whatever and I wish he could have been here for all that time but he didn't. But if we can like kick that around, get in a package, someone else packages it off, I don't think it would be, I think it would be more beneficial to package him with like I said, a, a one of our prospects, meaning like that is actually playing down in Providence. Your leverage to get rid of them. Right. That the team, one, they can spend some of that cap money if they need to spend it. And David Backus is a good lead. You know, he, they do get those qualities with him, his experience. Like he's, he, I mean, he didn't play a lot for, you know, I mean, that was one of my like anger. Like, should we plead Backus? I know his like thing, but like maybe he was the factor, you know. I just mean that I think it would be easy to get, not easy, but probably pretty easy to get Bacchus's package and sent out as opposed to just eating the money itself. You know, like we're not going to, we're not going to actually gain that much by doing that. It'd be more beneficial, I think, to try and, if he's not going to remain here in sit, you know, instead of having him sit on the ninth floor or whatever, you know, or eat it, pay six mil and let him be an assistant coach. I don't know, but like, I just... Yeah, that's what. Can we use that for you to be an assistant coach instead of an actual roster player? No, I'm just kidding. His leadership is definitely valued uh, yeah. in the locker room, and that that is always overseen on when you in discussions like this when you want to buy a player out. Uh, obviously, uh, the narrative comes down to uh, his point production, and it's not there. And mm-hmm. it, we get it, but um, I just I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. I really want them to see. Something addressed uh, younger, more point productions, of course. But um, like I said, it's just the, the, um, just the, the leadership and the role that he plays, and just so many times that you the camera goes down the bench and he's always talking to a young player, um, and I, I saw that a lot with Frank Petrano when he was here, and and so, you know, whatever happens, I know the Bruins going to make the right decision, uh, and if he stays, I know he's going to do what he can. I know it's going to be tough because he did not look comfortable uh, yeah. watching his team play, um, this, his old team yeah. uh, from the ninth floor. So it's, it's never a desirable place to play, and 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 the narrative that a lot of people say that he's considering retiring, I honestly don't believe that. For the fact is that he is thirty five years old, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the down downward spiral of his con of his um, of his career, I'm not saying he's it's a bad career. I just he's on the down slope of his career. Yeah, down slope. So, uh, I I don't think that he would want to do that. I think those last two years that he's under contract is like one of those buffers. Like, hey, this is my nest egg for retirement. You know what I mean? So he might be thinking about himself and his family after uh, post playing. So you just don't. 
you just don't hang them up with with term on on contract these days. You might have did that a while ago, but not not today. I also think part of what makes Bacchus still valuable, despite like his point, and again, just kind of the last few years taking a giant kind of downward spiral. Sorry, I was there, but he's definitely though because he is, you know been around a long time, he knows how the game's played, and he's very committed to what he does. He's also someone who knows his role and will take on a role, and that would make him better. So that's something that also, if someone's looking to pay $3 million to have that person who can come in for you if there's an injury, there's a whatever, you know, he's also the type of player that does not take it personally if you put him up on the ninth floor and understands that you have to do what you have to do because he's the type of player and all players usually are, you know, try to be. It's about the team. It's not about me. So as long as, like you said, maybe he can, he's, he's on the backside of his contract too. Yeah. It's two years. Sick. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy hit for some teams out there that just part of the reason you know if I suck so bad is because you don't spend any money. In. And not, not to start an argument uh, or, or cause any rough banter here, but he, he did get a little, aggravated earlier in the season um, out in the trip, uh, the West Coast trip. He actually took um, Cassidy aside. I think they went to a bar uh, the last time I heard. was uh, and They had some drinks in Hastert out and said, you know, where, where, where am I going to fit? Where, where do you see me on this team? I need to know. And, I mean, regardless of, of what was, you know, where the management was going to put him, he's still in the contract. So, mm-hmm. he's, you know, obviously he's a man who's going to um, – you know, stick to his, his word. Well, I think that's, yeah, just he wants to know what, like, he, I do have to also say, though, at that point in the season, we were kind of going through a weird, yeah. like, our lines were changing, thing, you know, whatever, whether it was injury or not injury. So I can also see where, like, uh, him as a man, not just as a player, looking at another grown man who is looking to some of these older players to help, you know, like, again, he knows he's a new, he hasn't been back in the NHL as a head coach. Like, he's looking to some of his players to also help to develop him into a better head coach, too. And one of that is, like, yeah, it's not a disrespectful thing, but Jesus Christ, man-to-man, like, just tell me what you want me to do, and I will do that. But this dicking me around, excuse my language or whatever, is not going to fly. And I think that was good for Cassidy and for him because Cassidy, although he's very upfront honest, he also is still learning how to make those tough uh, conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not, I'm not, he's very honest. He's honest to the media. He's, I'm sure he's very honest. But like that, someday, maybe he's still like John Sweeney's grown into being a GM, figuring out how, shit, what am I supposed to do with Bacchus? I respect this dude. He does have a role. The players love him. But like, I gotta, I gotta play someone else, man. Yeah. Like, I gotta call Coleman up. And I, I don't, how do I like tell him that? Like, you know, and kind of thing, you know. Let's take a uh, quick break, and uh, we'll get back and talk about uh, some 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 narrative that I don't agree with that, that people seem to think that it lost them the the Stanley Cup uh, in two thousand nineteen. So uh, we'll be right back and hear from a, a quick commercial, and uh, we'll get back to talk to Heather. and And thank you again, Heather, for uh, the time. Thank you. Passion, talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! 
are back. Uh, nice little break there, but much needed. Uh, made ourselves a nice little freaking drink. Summertime. It's miserable in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Uh, so I got some uh, Jack, Jack Daniels honey and some lemonade. So Good old New England. Yeah. First day of summer. Exactly. It's like 65 and raining. Yeah, it's terrible. But anyway, uh, back to the hockey talk. Um, one thing that is constantly brought up lately, especially after the, the Bruins' loss, a big as a Bruins' loss in Game 7 and, and blah, 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 brings out all the freaking great narratives. But this one was particularly funny to me. And this is, uh, this is Bruins fan saying, this is why we need to get a tough guy. We would have won the Cup if we had a tough guy. Is is that completely necessary? I mean, I understand that these two teams were going back and forth at each other, um, and we try well, we tried to talk about the last week. Um, you know, the, it was it reminds me of the uh, Vancouver series in 2011. The St. Louis team was like very similar to that, but they were doing it to the Bruins and not the Bruins doing it to Vancouver. So they took that style that they played back eight years ago. And, and brought it to the fucking Boston Bruins' face and, and ultimately exposed them. So, what's your thoughts? I mean, do we need to get that guy? Well, 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 it looks like Claude Julien's defensive style is <laughs> ruling again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I don't, as much as I, we obviously aren't going to have, like, enforcers, quote-unquote. I think our team doesn't necessarily... You kind of need, like, the qualities of Sean Thornton without necessarily still... Because he was kind of the last of the breed, but he was more kind of this style tough guy than necessarily, like, the... You know, I love Matt Barnaby, but, like, you know, the punch in the face. You know, like, that was, like, your role enforcer. I do think, though, we need... I do think we have toughness. I don't think it's always there. Maybe that size, whatever it is, or you come against a team that's playing your style from eight years ago that, as you've gotten quicker, do you know. But I think that we need more toughness in that compensating for the puck, like, in the size net that you are. Presence. Yeah, net front. Like, um, we had talked about in one, I don't know, episode we tried to do 27 or whatever yeah, <laughs> times right, ago. Yeah, 25th but hour. We talked about, like, um, 80. like, you had asked, we had talked a little bit about what makes us better five on five, which kind of goes back to all those things we were addressing about need. But, and I was saying... Why can't we play five? Like, what is it that makes us not be able to play five on five like we do on the power play? And the only thing that really kind of is is that there's an extra person to put the pressure on us, right? And they struggle to create the time and space. But when you, you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, it's like I was saying before, I feel like we need a little more size to almost like a def- instead of having, uh, like, we have a lot of offensive minded defensemen on our team, but we need a little more. I think defensive-minded forward on our team. Does yeah. that make sense? No, I don't know. I'm trying to explain no, it, but like that's might, what I mean, and that will. It may not you. make sense to anybody else, but it makes sense to me because the fact is that I believe we need more two-way players, mm. and you know, it, you don't have to be that top finisher all the time, but to have that two-way game. I mean, Bergeron is a, a perfect example. He's not going to give you 100 points every season, but he's going to give you that element of that defensive style, and he's you know. That's why he's pretty much on the, the best, not the, not the perf- perfection line. Yeah, whatever. That's over. Name. That's over. No more saying that, please, because it's ultimately got debunked. You know, so whatever. Mythbusters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, the reason why I bring it up is that there's, there's, there's people that are um, advocating for the the services of Corey Perry, who just got bought out by the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Mm-hmm. 
and, and uh, you probably know Perry from his career. Yeah. Um, really good, really good goal scorer, Olympian. Yeah. Uh, highly respected in the league. But as his game progressed in, um, you know, as a veteran, he became more of an aggressive player, more of an under-your-skin type of player. Even though he was still doing that mm-hmm. while putting in, you know, 30, 40 goals and, and racking up the assists. But later on in his career, that's basically what's keeping him in the league. So would you look at Corey Perry and, 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 and the money and... Um, the money is significant. There's the reason why Anaheim bought him out. But would you look at somebody like that to address the right 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 need for David Krejci? I go for it, and they're like Nathan Horton. That's a tough question because, I mean, Corey, old older Corey Perry or not or whatever. Like he's a phenomenal play. He is. I think that happens with a lot of players. You know, you got to still make your money. He can still get things done. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, you're always contributing, kind of like you were saying about Bergie, right? Like, so even though he didn't point wise produce in this final, I would not say defensively he was not still his. You know, the money is what concerns me yeah, because I, although I think he'd be a good fit and all that, I thought um, he was north of six. Yeah, and I number one, I don't think we have the cap space to do that. You would definitely have to get rid of Bacchus at that point. Yeah, so, like how do you package that? So for me, I think it'd be more like the contract. We don't have that much space. We do have a lot of players that already make average around yeah. seven or whatever. Or well, you know, and uh, I think that's another testament to the environment here that people want to all they want to stay together, sure. so they're willing to do that. Um, I see that's tough because I think like if we could find a player that's not Perry with his, it maybe not as much of his experience, but kind of you know. They, he, they're really the generation that started this kind of quicker puck moving, like, you know, so, so he's not so him, old. Bobby Ryan. Like, right, like all of yeah. them. So I think that's Crosby's good because as much as, like, we've talked about, like, Chara has seen the old way and the new way, and now he's seen it kind of swinging back the old way a little because now it's finding its balance, right, between the old and the new. Sure. But if we could find a player that can do what he does but a little cheaper, but at the same time he's a stud, older or not, and... I just feel like sometimes when we do that, though, that's when the old studs start falling apart. Yeah, I, don't, I know. It's not their fault. It just happens to be with us. And then what do you do? Then we're, even if we get rid of Bacchus, then what do we, you know, I don't know. But he isn't someone who's very injury riddled. Like, you know, like he's there. And if you could pull it off, but I don't know where in the cap space wise, especially because everyone's obsessed with what are we going to do with the prospect? You know, everyone has to get re-signed this and that. I say, no offense, is, I don't know what, position they play but like Zavoro or whatever you know some of these kids yeah, like if you can have Perry and not have to resign a kid like that or send him and I'm cool with that too you yeah. know I, I don't know but I do think that his style is perfect for whatever Cassidy has created it is continuing to I guess create here I'm all for whatever puts the puck on the net. Ultimately, it's it's goals that win games. And if you can have that gritty style and you can put 20 or 30 in the net, I'm wicked happy with that. But it's got to come at a value. And and I don't see that happening because I'm hearing heavily favored that they really want to bring Marcus Johansson back. And he really wants to stay here. And thanks to the asshole that yeah, had to show that his size of his whatever... Yeah. But anyway, I'm uh, sorry about that. Just um, yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it, 
I'm not I'm I'm not a fan of of Corey Perry of but he he has that element that possibly could have been used another little Marshan little rant you know r- rat. You know what I think he also brings is we have like and we usually do have players with a few exception that are pretty heavily embedded in the East. There is a distinct yeah. style between the Absolutely. East and the West hockey, oh, even huge, within man. the thing. So that is one thing that he does bring. So say you do get to a cup final, he's got that experience you're talking about. Yep. He's got a good read because these are the teams he played three times oh, a year yeah. instead. Yeah. Like we see St. Louis twice a year or whatever, and we split it this year, and then turns out everybody in the West gets yeah. a chance at least right. once. Right. So um, that. But I now that you bring up Johansson, if you had me to choose, just to add another spend topic money, on the fly. To That's spend, how we fucking do shit yeah, here. Clock and gold. Spend. I would rather spend money. Because that was terrible gangster, wasn't it? I know it doesn't necessarily solve the second line thing, but I do think, and I know Coyle, what does he have, one year left that yeah, he's got from one what more we year. did. Right. I do think that one of the greatest things that came out of the trade deadline was the magic that they seem to have together, and they click the way, you know, whatever, the way Bergeron click. You know, I mean, you want your center and your wingers clicking. If not, you don't want people fighting against each other. I'm not saying that's what the boys are doing. It's just we've had a rotating cast of right. who's going to be on the side, you know, whatever. You know what I, I think I'd too? rather pay Johansson the money because he, A, has experience because, you know, he's been, it's not like this is his first team. He's not, I think he's a little, he's not old, but Washington, I think he's a little, I think he's a little older than, like, people who aren't familiar with him until he was here are aware of. Yep. And I think that would be, better money well spent than trying to get a big name with a big contract that maybe for cheaper, again, you maybe you could get Johansson to stay and still find yourself a decent winger to come in if you can move back or so whatever. I just feel like it's too risky with right. the cap. We don't know what they're doing with the cap coming forward. Like When you when you just, when you just mentioned the coil trade, yeah. I just thought of something else. Is um, Just imagine if that didn't happen and now you'd add Donato into the mix of, of being what resigned. Yeah. What so now you got McAvoy... Heinen, and all, and I can't remember, but uh, there's a couple, uh, Carlo, and so on, that, and then you add on Donato, oh, I mean, you almost had to move him just because of that, because you didn't want to bottleneck that. Well, I also think that's a, we have a, I mean, this has been talked to ad nauseum, but about having just like the pipeline kind of clogged up at this point. Yep. What do we do? Where do we put? And again, like no offense, like on one I'm hand, a big advocate of that. On one hand, you have to uh, wait your turn, guy, because I, I mean, sometimes we talk. About, I'm all about fresh blood, but I'm also all about if you already have people who are working just fine producing, right. you don't push them out just in case a kid is going so to end up developed. in two years, right? And also, I think that this kind of era in sports, just generally kind of demands you go and be ready before you're actually ready and sometimes that ruins people's careers I think because we've seen it a couple times right yeah we're not gonna go through the list we're not gonna like we can't (laughs) go through the list but um do we have like yeah what's going on with the other kids down in Providence are any of them up to be re-signed or are they all short up there's a list that we will Uh, definitely yeah Yeah, I just it was more just a comment to myself right now but my thing is that I I agree with you like because not for nothing, but Ryan Donato, I'm sure, is going to be a pretty solid person in his life. But yeah, just not here. Thank you, Charlie. Coyle, right yeah. there, which yeah. I know you did not love the Charlie Coyle. You were like not happy Coyle with Coyle it. Mo- How I... do you feel about the Charlie Coyle move now? You know, because for me, those are the kind of moves I think that Don Sweeney is excellent at. Again, yeah. not no, spending too much. I agree. Much to I agree. I should have some more faith in, in what's going on and what uh, and what Don does. But the man um, with the plan, like I said, he's the man with the plan. Um. 
That's just uh, breaking news, actually. The NHL salary cap is $500,000 lower, lower than expected. So, no Corey Perry. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, good one. Good one. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's kind of shocking and sucky, but whatever. Um, and I kind of lost my train of thought. Little moves, Coil. How do you like Coil now? Oh, yeah, yeah. No wonder why I forgot. Um, you know what? Uh, regular season, wasn't thrilled. Postseason, oh my God. You know what I mean? And he, and he made me eat my own shoe and a lot of other things. Probably my leg up to my knee, but it it is what it is. I just, I'm going to go back and I'm a proponent of if you're going to make a move, do it for a guy that's actually hot. Don't gamble on... Somebody, because they might need a, a different of area, you know what I mean, a di- different location. That's that's too much of a gamble for me and, and too much of an investment. But at this particular point, the deal wasn't that much of an investment. You know, the money was actually really good. And he had the one-year term, so you can actually either negotiate with him. So he's got one year to prove it that he wants to stay in Boston and, and really bring back my belief in local talent around here and not being um, media ostracized and so on. I'm probably using that word really bad because I'm really bad at language. But anyway, um, I did too, didn't I? Well, I'm just by the way you you're looking at keep me. going. I don't know if it's right. In oh, context. damn. You then you're finish. the teacher. <laughs> no, I know what ostracized means. No, you, I know. You didn't go far enough for me to know if you're using the context. <laughs> Anyways, I get I'm what you mean. Learn. So real local talent that will be useful and not just, yeah, I mean, you know, I, mean, I drove by Boston one I hated time. The taste. I hated the taste of I went Hayes. to Andover. Yeah, yeah. Yep, see, she just Please threw don't up. Do, oh, stop. Don't say. Don't hit the mixing board. Never let me hear <laughs> Jimmy. I saw someone with a Jimmy Hayes sweatshirt, like one of those $18 ones. Like, I'm sorry, just no more Jimmy Hayes. Let it go. I don't want to. I don't even want to hear about Kevin Hayes at this point. Can you not even say Kevin Hayes' name? No, just, he got a sweet deal in Philly. Oh, though. yeah, he did. <laughs> Absolutely sweet deal in Philly. Hey, um, speaking of that, we might as well just freaking uh, add another topic. How about everybody else doing okay in the NHL and the Bruins are just saying, hey, I mean, like Philly brought in two really good defensemen and a forward. I, I I'm I could say right now that they are probably uh, 2020 Stanley Cup Finals uh, champions. Um, I'm lining up right now for Philly. Shout no, out Philly. What, oh my God, I Broad can't, Street. Can't believe, yeah, hockey. I, I, all right, I'll give you a shout out to the Bill. Broad Street Bullies. But I, honestly, like you know, when they always Steph. talk about creating rivalries, I don't need it. To create rivalries, because in my head, I no, hate I Philly. I hate Philly. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't. I love their podcast. Rangers stepped up. But I was going to say, Philly the difference, though, the difference between, though, is that we're a team that's already been building, so we're kind of in our cap, and they are, like, um, the Rangers basically, I mean, what was it, two years ago, sent a letter, like, just so you know, season Last ticket year. holder, whatever, we're going to blow this shit up, and they did, but it's working out. Like, yeah. the tri-state area there... Philly, Former New York, Bruins, New GM. Jersey, like they're in their part now where they're going to be grabbing. You know what I mean? So in five years, they're going to be the Pittsburghs and Bostons and whatever, or maybe even Tampa Bay. I don't know. Their salary cap. I expect Trader Don to do something to stay up with the, uh, the, the Jones, but I guess. I think I think it's good for Philly, though, because they are a hawk. And like they did try to make the playoffs or whatever. They just don't yeah. have enough to work with. And they're another team that has well, some. Well, they got the goaltender now. Well, I, yeah. Hart like is I said, they man. went through like they, seven goaltenders, but no, like, yeah, now it's kind of like they're shoring things up. They have some good young talent, yep. but they don't have so much money spent out or they've dumped some money like you know sorry to see you go Wayne Simmons whatever but like yeah. you know you gotta another guy we don't need also also yeah I agree with you I agree with you on is that, that. No, but I, I think so from Philly listen, and New Jersey I did not go to the big. New England medicine of whatever you know what I mean 
He's got had hips. He had hip surgery, and from the readings that I've done, you can play on a hip surgery, right? But it's not. You're not going to get healthy. It's going to take you years to get fully healthy. When if you rested it properly, the window is much shorter. So and he's playing on it because that's what he does. He's a freaking hockey player. He's, well, and he you know, gets paid a lot of money. So yeah. So and he's gonna do it, but he's it's just somebody I wouldn't want to make a deal with. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that just doesn't address the toughness either. So, um, moving on. The <laughs> this is another one is the the Bruins lose the Stanley Cup, and another narrative that comes out is the the Jacobs family are cheap. They are cheap. They're cheap bastards. So listen, uh, now I'm aging myself. Back in the day, the Jacobs were very cheap. They were terribly cheap. They didn't even, I don't, I believe they didn't even want to do the TD Garden. I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. But um, it went forth anyway. Um, and they, <laughs> the salary cap era is where I'm going with this. All right. So now that we're in the salary cap era and we've been here for a while, the Bruins have basically always paid up to the the limit. And they're not one of those floor teams that are barely struggling to be in. They, you know, they pay. They, they it's because of ridiculous contracts and lengths that they suffer in that. And and the cap management has been up and down since. But they still pay that minimum to keep this team alive and competitive. So, when you're telling me that um, they're not paying because pe- players don't come here because they don't want to pay them, that's bullshit. What What year did the salary cap era start? I am not sure. Like Is I said, I don't have one of the lockout? 17 screens in I front of me. I just said lockout. I just started crying yeah, in that's my soul. Up uh, right. Okay, no, don't, we're not, not today. That's not what today is for. Today is for moving on to yeah. bigger and better <laughs> things. Um, I am like you. I, I think the Jacobs are wicked cheap, and I think if there wasn't a salary cap that made them spend money... I think for a long time... He was the biggest proponent uh, of it. Listen, listen, for us, you know, as Boston people who grew up, right, the Jacobs are notoriously cheap. That's partly why we didn't win for so long, was they wouldn't pay out money to get the players you needed to, or they'd be playing, you know, whatever, injury back. I mean, especially, like, you know, whatever. The people we grew up watching, injuries could very well still end your career because we didn't have microsurgery and all these awesome things they have that help athletes get back to actually being... Truly competitive. I do not believe, though, if the Jacobs didn't have to, they would spend money. I also think there was enough... For a very long time, we had the same people always being in charge, right? And what happened is they tried to build a team, and they would go, and then, you know, the Jacobs would go, Jeremy, no, what are you going to do? I mean, you're only the coach. So if you're the GM, the coach, whoever, trying to get things done, you're not getting anything done. And things started changing. You know how I feel about Chiarelli, but... Like, around that time, especially for Boston, no matter when the cap started, I think right before him, you know, there was a short a guy that was there for a short amount of time, and before that, things started yeah, it was, changing. It was the guy that signed um, Truba. Yeah, right. So, but I just mean, like, you, yeah, what's Traded his name? Truba. Well, I can't Broughton? remember. Yeah, I couldn't remember I can't his remember name. his first name. Um, but people started like, no, guy, you don't get it. Like, you can't. When... The draft started coming. It was like the Ovies of the world and these people. You can draft oh, those players yeah. all you want, but these like top grade A beasts that are coming out for this new generation are not going to... A, we have 
a lot of taxes. Again, it, like Mitch Marner, of course, you're going to want to be in Toronto. I mean, you might love the city, but you're also making a crap ton of money oh, without, shit. like, things. Oh, shit. Yeah, whatever. I just mean, like, you're, you're not paying the taxes you would. Like, Boston's expensive to live in. Yeah. But a lot of people are scared off by that, especially when, like you said, you're trying to make your money, too, before you... It's a short window you get to play and make your money. Um, I don't think the Jacobs would pay money, though, if you did. But then it took... The, and like I said, once Cam Neely was really in there, too, like, I think that Chiarelli tried... Yeah, I mean, bad deci- decisions are not whatever happened during like, that kind yeah. of era. But I think once Cam Neely was in there, Cam Neely, he's got weight with the fit fa- and, like, how well, the well, fans Cam Neely was the, the wedge of the, uh, of the, um, the safe door... And he was kept prying at it, prying yeah. at it, opening it up, and a little bit of money came keep coming yeah. out so. until he could finally get all yeah. the enough control to kind of for like no guy, this is the new. We either got to keep up or wear like you know what I mean. Yep. Like good thing you have money because we are gonna stop pissing money with this team if something isn't done. Speaking of money, um, this is a perfect segue in. Um, Bruce Cassidy, um, what kind of grade would you give him for the past two and a half years and? Um, he is up for contract review, and uh, what do you think um, the Bruins should do moving forward with a coach that is seems to be ready to um, take on a huge role with youth? Um, I think that, like I've said in many podcasts that you've heard in the past, that I believe the coaching staff has been in place now for a couple of years uh, with, with Cassidy and, and uh, Kevin Dean. Jay Pandolfo, Joe Sacco, and and and, and other uh, members down in Providence with Jay Leach and and uh, Trent Winfield. Um, I think that the youth is really going to start taking a toll in the next uh, couple of years. And uh, is he the right coach to lead this way? Okay, so I've got to put it in context because nobody out there besides you and maybe two other people or whatever know me. So I am not a fan of I. I am not a big Bruce Cassidy person. Don't worry, you're not, so, you're not on freaking social media. No, I know. So for me, oh, we could get into a whole thing on that. <laughs> um, but so for me, I'm ve- I was very skeptical about him. Not because I love Claude Julian, which I did, and not because I was against a change, but because what I had seen, I'm the, I'm the type of person that's like, show me what you can do, right? So like for you, Charlie Coyle was, okay, cool, but not, okay, oh, all right, well, you're going to show me I something. That's how I felt with Cassie. I, I feel like Cassie uh, is just like a player, right? You might be a career AHL player. You might never be able to be an NHL player. Nothing wrong in that, right? So Cassie, it's like, really, what have you done for me? Now... Yes, he was in Providence a long time. Him and, you know, whether people want to admit, like him and Claude really were working in tandem trying to get, they had a few years where they had young talent that didn't develop either, like it should. And what can you do with that either? You know what I mean? To like fill, bring people up, it wasn't working out. So Cassidy, though, I think, like you said with the youth, I think I would give him a B overall since he's become, we'll we'll burn the half season or whatever because him and Claude really, and no matter what anybody says, that season we were making the playoffs anyways, and overall our record was pretty still just what we did for the last four months or whatever it was. Yeah, because Anton Hudobin finally woke up. Right. So really, like, like overall, even when we had the two coaches, we were probably (laughs) landing solidly around where we were. Sure, we looked better, like we were playing in better streaks or whatever near the end, but... Since Cassie took over, though, I'd give him a B. I think he, but that partly, I, I think he's starting to warm on me that I think he can actually handle being a head coach in the NHL. Um, I do like his openness. I do think Place sometimes, coach. I do think sometimes he gets a little too like gruff. Like 
it's almost like he feels like he's in trouble when the media is talking to him. And with, like, I don't necessarily, maybe that's just his personality. He yeah. gets like that. I mean, I don't know when his wife complains to him at home, he could get like that too. But sometimes a little of that, like, well, this is part of being the head coach, right? Is every day they're going to ask you, you know, and it's hard, right? That's so that's another thing, though, developing. I do think, though, that he's a good, him and Don Sweeney's brains work a lot alike. Yeah. And I think that's partly why it's helping. But my concern is that besides, like, two coaches, that were around for a decade. We go through coaches every one to three years in this organization in our hundred almost year history yeah. or whatever. That concerns me. And I'm also concerned about that's great if Cassidy's the youth guy and Sweeney's got the man with the plan for the youth and none of this youth develops to what we think it is. Not necessarily out of fault of ours because even before, I'm sorry, I was going to say, even before they had switched coaches, like, they were already kind of transitioning what they were going to do, mm -hmm. but because no one was ready to really play that style yet, we kept kind of falling back to what we already knew. So, I mean, I guess Cassidy could stay for another few years, but I'm not I'm not giving him, like, an eight-year contract, because I don't know in two years right. you're not going to crack out. You're not going to do the your bad players are gonna Your players are going to mutiny or whatever. You're not going to give him a bad clock signing. That's one thing I learned in this offseason. There's some players that I, uh, co uh, coaches that I think are batshit crazy, but I just love watching them. Like, part of the fun of the Columbus series was just looking across at the other bench <laughs> like, oh, you taught. <laughs> you are so crazy, but I just love you, dude. I just, because it's like he's like a crazy man, and then he sounds like someone's like just grandpa. Yeah, well, you know, I love these kids. You know, sometimes you just got to scream at the referees and use the F-bomb a few times, you know, whatever. Babcock. What it, give you a Babcock uh, impression. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're going to put books in deep? Um, that's how you win games these days. Uh, you don't put books in deep, you don't win. It's just it's that simple. I don't understand why the media doesn't get it. <laughs> Is that pretty good? Yeah, that's pretty good. Was that was it? Dangle good? No. Oh, Dangle. Well, Dangle's good, but Dangle—that's like saying is Stephen Colbert's impression <laughs> as good as some other. It, they're not necessarily the best impression, but it's just something about the way they do it. But that was pretty good. All right. Um, what about you though with Cassidy? I wanted to oh, ask you because you you fan. do. I mean, you definitely like Providence. You go down there and you watched him as Providence. How yeah. do you think he's developed? Well. The going to the Providence thing, and when he got hired, I'm not sure when he got hired. I want to say 2006, 2008 range, something like that. I'm really not sure. Um, but I was like, well, this hire is like uh, he's trying to get back into the league, and I understand that. I just didn't see it. Uh, for what happened in Washington, and I'm sorry that numbers they took over my mind, mm -hmm. and and what and what happened. So I just didn't know what what to get from him. But watching as many games as I did uh, in this streaming, and I understand that I'm not next to the coach and seeing what he's doing all the time from a stream, but um, just w what the situational stuff that he does with the younger players was was very intriguing to me. Um, the way he went up and down the bench, the way he worked with Kevin Dean and and um, Trent Whitfield in the past um, was important for me to see and kind of built my confidence into coming back to the NHL and I knew it was going to happen. I think that just anybody was knew, know that they were breeding for this mm -hmm. um, to walk away from Claude Julien and, and, and it's that fresh with a younger core. Uh, you know, um, and it's all, it basically all started in 2015 when, when Sweeney drafted 10 players out of a seven round draft and really re replenished the uh the prospect pool so you know i think that's what i i, I want to see from him and i expect in, in the pat in the two years i i would have to say he's got like an a minus 
Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think that... That's what we're here for. We're here no, for. well, I just mean we mentioned uh, about how, like, some of the kids down that are actually playing in Providence, yep. not just, like, kind of somewhere in the system someday. We'll see them when they're ready. Um, do you... If one of the... And this isn't against Providence's coaching staff, which you would know about, and it's mm-hmm. not a reflection of them, but, you know, it's that question, like, is it... Are these players not developing because we're not developing them correctly or because whatever. So well, I guess my question is, do you think that's great, but now where Cassidy's at, he doesn't get to get the young kids till they're ready to be up? Do you think we kind of lost a little bit of those young development without well, him being down there as kind of the guider to feed him up yeah. to... I mean, it didn't have to be... Cl- but whoever, well, he just happened to be up there. The, the, the development dialogue throughout this organization has been so big lately. And, and I think that... The NHL as a whole is doing that too, even though that they've been developing players for freaking years. You know what I mean? And it's 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 no science, but oh, obviously it is. Um, but I forgot where I'm going with this. Um, Just do we lose out with Bruce Cassidy being coaching no. the bit, as opposed to? Do you think what Cassidy, like you saw in him, do you see enough of that in the coaches down in Providence still? Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm asking. Absolutely. I guess that's in the long and short run, I, I had a brain fart because I saw uh, my my phone go off. Um, I thought it was something important, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think these co- the coaches are, they're all doing it um, by committee. Um, I'm going to see it at development camp um, next week for three days. Um, they, those guys get involved. Cassidy not on the ice. Um, Cassidy is one of those guys that stays up on the uh, the media deck with uh, Neely. Sweeney um, and, and and Ferguson, the, uh, the the manager for the Providence Bruins, uh, and he's a fantastic guy. Uh, so the, all those guys will be up there watching, and Jay Leach, Trent Midfield, Pandolfo will be out there. Uh, coach Kim, the, uh, the skating coach, mm-hmm. he's unbelievable. Um, will be out there too. So and some other, uh, I think PJ Axelson's going to be there for this development camp as he always is, and. Um, PJ, uh, yeah, PJ. He's, he's such a great guy. Great to talk to too. Um, but we all said, did I? Did I kind of get? It yeah, that's back no. To you? I was I'm, asking. I'm this, sorry if I went around. Like, because for me, I post. really only know basically what I saw of yeah. him his first tenure. Kind of because we, you would tell me, you know, because I'd be like, "What's going on, Don?" And you, you always had good things to say about him. Yeah. And like now we've obviously watched his growth there. So I just thought you. Because I am kind of biased, and I know I'm biased in things that you'd be a good person to put into perspective because no, you've believe... been watching him longer develop into this NHL coach. I think the coaches are doing what they can do. I think it's it's more on the players mm-hmm. and how they accept the role. I mean, unfortunately, you look at a player like Jesse Gabriel. I mean, he, he, he was, a, was a, in my opinion, a valued prospect. But things just got a little, you know, out of sorts with um, him and the organization, unfortunately, and, and they parted ways. Those are things that happen, and, and you know, it's a, these these kids that are signing entry-level contracts, they're still kids, yeah. you know, they, they haven't really learned a lot, you know what I mean, and, you know, you hopefully they get it. But that's the gamble on prospects, is you don't know what you're actually going to get, and, and what kind of... You know, because in maturity, you get different builds of character. Mm-hmm. And so you're not really going to, you know, know fully about what you're getting until you actually see it. I guess on last note, just on just kind of everybody's prospects, you know, and just any, every year we get new people drafted in and do whatever yep. that. Draft is starting I think it's tonight. important 
for just development because everybody takes different time, right? Like uh, we've talked about like very few people at 17 years old, very few people can walk in and just be an NHL superstar yeah. always and forever, right? I, you can probably count them on your hands if there's even that many, right? I think it's important too to allow the kids because everybody has their needs too. So like these kids sign these, con like yes, NHL, woo, like this is your moment. Yeah. I think it is important, especially those kids that are still 18, 19, 20, to have the ability, like we have some coming up, right? To next year honestly say, if there's somewhere else you could be developing, doing better, you know, you have better future. You could, and in some ways, Ryan Donato is kind of that, right? Yeah. Like you're not working out, like, and I think it was all around the maturity level. Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily his fault because he was he was raised very kind of in a bubble, right? Like his coaches always knew him. He always, you know, some people have 42 coaches in their career and some people have five, you know, and you learn the more you're exposed to things. So I actually think in the end, it might actually help Ryan Donato to ha be in a system that it can be a little more patient, that doesn't have the urgency we have to like move. What are we doing with these kids? What are we doing with these kids? So I think that's important for all kids, though, because to also give them the out after that entry-level deal of if they're not fitting here, whatever, to let them have a little say in how they are because they still are trying to have yeah. a career, you know? And, and it's important to, to properly develop. That's the biggest thing about this. It's not, it's not like the old days, excuse me, when, um, you know, you, you basically walked away from the podium and you were guaranteed an NHL job. It's not like that. Um, and, that's, and that's how, like, players like Alexander Daig, remember the first round pick, and then what happened? Nothing. Patrick Stefan, first round pick, nothing. Mm, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's I it's so unfortunate. So to avoid that, I just think that the Bruins have been really smart. Like you, you take a player like Jeremy Lawson, Jakob Zboro, and, and Zach Senishin, and then you add in the fact of what happened to Jake DeBrusque. And you know I've been, I've been a huge component of if Jake DeBrusque did not spend a full season learning the the pro aspects of the game and playing against different ages and sizes and body types and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd have that rookie season like he did. Yeah. So I'm always on board with if the guy needs an extra year, you do it. If if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? It obviously didn't work out with Cedric Pare, uh, a forward from um, uh, Rimouski Oceanic in the, in the queue. It obviously didn't work out with Daniel Bukash, uh, a decent defenseman uh, that was uh, traded from Brandon in the WHL to the Niagara of the OHL. I thought he had a better year in the OHL than he did out west. So um, it's just unfortunate that you know you can't keep them all. And well, and that's really in the long run, right? Like you yeah. can have all the prospects and all the great hopefuls in exactly. the future you want, but the long and the short is every team can only carry twenty-two here and, and another the twenty-two gamble. there, or whatever. That's the I, gamble. I don't know how many do they have twenty-two on the AHL roster. Too. I like what is I don't no the so, a, really see, no, no the AHL roster and the East Coast different. Hockey League roster different. is different because right. you have to have um, uh, like I'm not exactly sure how that works. You need. Um, a certain amount of veterans, mm -hmm. you need a certain amount of prospects, and you need a certain amount of, of uh, oh, another so they thing. Divide so, up yeah. Well, even to say we're dealing with just the AHL level, like, you know what I mean? That sometimes moving around, whatever. And so, I mean, I know once you get to, like, that level, right. you can't really go back down, the, you know. The you one, can get a look, but after, it's probably some stupid, like, two-rule game, then you right. can't be in the ECHL anymore, then you have to be, all of leagues have that kind of thing, but. 
Unfortunately, I mean, what I like about the, the the American Hockey League and what Jay Leach is doing with a player like Zach Senishin, mm-hmm. he's going up and down the lineup learning all aspects of the game. To me, that's properly developing. If you want to rush a player, then you're going to put him on the top two, li- top two lines, you know, yeah. and then give him power play time and penalty kill time and so on. I mean, give him that aspect of the game. But if you're, if you're going to be a, a, a Providence Bruin, you're going to learn how to grind it out on the fourth line. You're going to do the same on the third and be an offensive on the top two. And then that that's how, in my opinion, I think that's how Jay Leach does that with a lot of players. He does it, he does it with Carson Kuhlman. Not in the regular you know what I'm saying? He just gives them that those times that you need to go down and, and learn. Well, that's important, though, too, because, like, let's face it, once you get into the more elite, you know, higher level and stuff, you're dealing with all kids that have been the best kids ever on their thing. Uh, I worked with a guy that knew Jay Pandolfo when he was lit, and he calls it the Jay Pandolfo rule. Yep. For every one Jay Pandolfo you have, they're going to be the best at might. They're gonna, they should yep. be. They're just naturally yep. going to play. Then there are people who cruise along, like, most other kids and they just develop into something bigger and then there are kids who are fabulous at nine and then at 15 you can't do whatever you know um so I think it's important to be if you want them to have good hockey IQ right if you've always been the top line center right doesn't it isn't it more beneficial for you to be the fourth line center for a little bit to see how to get that. I think so. Isn't it sometimes, I mean, obviously when you get to a high level, you're not, you know, these guys have been playing, it's not. But like on the youth level, you, great if you want your kid to be the next Sidney Crosby, but sometimes maybe try your kid being the next Tory Krug. Because yeah. it's a different way of thinking. You know, if, you're, if your kid plays, you know, especially when kids are younger and developing, have them play everything. Be aware. That's great. You can put the nuck, puck in the net. Can you stop the puck from getting in the net, though? You know, that's right. that. Um... Gotta talk about the draft. That's stats tonight, round one. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that works out really well for the Bruins. Hopefully they keep the thirtieth pick. I haven't heard anything. Um, that's why I thought when I was looking at my phone that I saw something. That, but that's what kind of yeah, messed, sure. me, messed me up earlier and get me off off thought. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the uh, the thirtieth pick. I'm not sure exactly where they're gonna go with it. Uh, the, the the last like seven years, it's been trending on the defense. Um, but regardless, this is a pretty strong draft, um, highlighted by uh, Jack Hughes and uh, Capocacco. And uh, so, you know, it's, uh, hopefully it's going to be a good pick, one that we can all talk about. But if you wanted to talk about positional, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to talk about positional at all, like I would have to go with uh, my boy uh, Steve Conianos, the draft analyst. Uh, he did a, a fantastic write-up, and he's been doing this since 2016. Uh, he does a draft report every year, and um, it's really good. And uh, he had some really good uh, numbers and so on, with, right around where the, where the Bruins would select. And uh, I appreciated all the insight that he brought. But he said that um, in this draft, um, the, the, as a defensive thing, is like you have to look for that next guy. And, and that next guy happens to be Tori Krug. And but you you're not looking for him for an immediate like if say if they did trade Krug and I hate saying that in front of you because oh I'm no you know I'm very no, I, know, I understand I the reasons you're I'm Kruger. not against that right but I'm also rational I understand why he has value right. and that he could be you know but he mentions that regardless of what happens this summer or if he signs another a three or four year deal. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to have to breed another one like him yeah. and get him in the system and 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 up to speed. 
Um, a lot of people say, a lot of people think that, you know, when you draft a player, it's like, oh, you need, like, like the right wing situation we yeah. talked about earlier. It's like, why would you? No. You're not going to, the kid's not going to come away from the podium and you're going to write in the lineup. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah, while you're at it, why don't you draft Especially some more left-shot defensemen while you're in there? Because then yeah. you need that like a hole in the head. <laughs> Just it, exactly. And the other thing was, is a forward. Uh, what are you going to do about um, addressing the power play and keeping that going? You need to find an next Bergeron. Yeah. Or, <laughs> believe it or not, and people are going to hate this, but the next Krejci. Yeah. You know? No, either one of them like that. But uh, Steve also said in his article, uh, in his report, that uh, the Bruins might need not the goal scorer or the finisher, but the guy on the half wall. Like we talked about the other day in, in Take 34, was the Mark, was the Mark Savard type of yeah. role. And I think that they would need to address that to keep those pop, the power play going. And that's not for an immediate need, but more of a future need. Because uh, right now, like uh, a prospect like Jack Stanika mm-hmm. is probably going to be the one that takes over for Krejci on the second line. I don't if if Coyle's resigned, I don't see Studnika coming in. I mean, I mean, Coyle could legitimately play that second line center, and then have uh, Trent Frederick on the fourth, mm-hmm. and then have. Um, that's the thing, though. Is part of that, and that that's why I love free and all this yeah. craziness. Is part of that though goes well. What are you going to do, Don? Right. So. You, if you re-sign Marcus Johansson, then you're going to keep Coyle in his role in that, you know, because let's face it, our bottom six were our best forwards in all three rounds, yeah, period. Absolutely. Like, you know, that's not against it, but that with eyes, you don't need analytics. You had eyes and you saw what was happening. So if you re-sign Johansson, then you're going to keep Coyle probably in the role he's in. Yeah. If they don't re-sign Johansson, then you move Coyle up and stop because they he, everybody was still kind of Frederick on the bottom. right, and then yeah. the young kids play the bottom roles because Work that's how they out. learn, and yeah. they were exactly like I always look at Brad Marchand, right? Eyebrows. That's what me and my friend Lisa used to call them because we didn't really know them. They were in Providence, and they'd pop up and down. We called them eyebrows, right? And you would not have expected Brad Marchand to be a top line left winger. Like that would not. I mean, he was going to be a solid. I didn't see any problems. Right, he was going to. He was going to be a solid, probably third or fourth line wing for you if he stayed around. But you would never imagine he'd be a thirty-plus goal score. You know, things like you know, whatever. One of the key elements to the quote-unquote perfection line. I know you hate that. I agree with, but I don't just. I listen. I never like them. I don't like those monikers. Like I said, I just need you to be the mediocre line light right now. I because that would be better than what you're doing, but. You don't have to, you know, but I would never have imagined that, right? So you never know, like you said, you never know what you're going to get. But for me, like the coil and what to do with, you know, like Trent Frederick and all of them is dependent too. Like, are we going to re-sign Marcus Johansson? What will that cost? What will these kids expect to get in two years when they, you know, like are they going to keep it in perspective that you're still 21 years old and maybe we decided to keep Tory Krug for another three-year contract till we make, you know, maybe those younger defensemen, if they're not ready to come up, have a couple years to finish developing. So for me, to ch- like that kind of thing really depends on what you do with Johansson. Right. Um, we're going to finish up with this one. Uh, we've actually talked a while. I can't believe it. Um, but, uh, GM Don Sweeney. Yay! Wins the, uh, GM of the year award. Very well deserving. Um, and, uh, what, what an emotional speech. His wife, right, uh, there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, talked about his, uh, sons that were born premature mm-hmm. and the struggle that they've gone through and, and them as a family. So it was a very touching story. Um, but, uh, ended, you know, very well and, uh, 
What an honor. Yeah, I, I, I know. I can't wait to see him at development camp next week and uh, shake his hand. I, of course, wanted him to win, like, uh, not, that's like my Oscars, as you know. I have to make my predictions, and I was pretty good, like, nine out of the 11 that I decided to try weren't bad, but I really thought, like, like Don Sweet, but I was surprised he actually won by a good amount of votes, yeah. too. Yeah. I was surprised with that, not because, I mean, obviously, you get nominated, they only tell you who the top three are, but the... I think the space he won by, it makes me proud of him, yep. even more proud, because he does get a lot of credit, because he is a young GM, and Absolutely. he's learning his way, and you know, um, yeah, you did us proud. Also, may I mention, the most handsome GM in the NHL. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway, um, Sweeney had a, a long career with the Boston Bruins, finished up with the Dallas Stars, I believe, um, and immediately after that, uh, came into the Boston Bruins um, office uh, in a development role as the, uh, I believe he was a senior or head of um, player development, and uh, for ten years really worked hard at you know the the drafting aspect, and uh, and learning from you know they say cap genius is like Peter Shirelli, but I don't believe that. That's a forest. Yeah, that's a forest. But uh, no, it's it's good. It was good to see him come into come into that role, and um, him he's orchestrated a very well staff when it comes to drafting, and I hope they all do a great job tonight. Um, other mentions on the awards, I uh, wanted to bring up the the really cool thing about uh, goaltender Robin Liner mm. uh, from the New York Islanders. Um, you know, bipolar goaltender. Um, you know, that's uh, he went through a lot, and he went through a lot with addiction uh, and everything like that. And to come back and um, and have a great season uh, orchestrated along with um, I used that word wrong, but anyway. No. Uh, Thomas Grice, yeah. uh, they they were pretty much the the best. They got the Jennings. Yeah, the best tandem in the NHL. So, uh, kudos to them. And how far uh, Leonard and the uh, and the New York Islanders went in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, in the Stanley Cup playoffs because they went a lot further than the they Toronto Maple Leafs. They, they, sh- they shouldn't have been. Jab the Leafs I have to there. say, I think that it's very important because I I mean mental health and stuff like that. I mean that's around everywhere, and yeah. we still for some reason as much as we say we talk about, I guess it's like, you know, addiction, any things like that, that it really sometimes uh, takes for someone who is famous, and people can debate how famous hockey players are, but some of these people are huge international stars yep. just because maybe you don't think, you know, just Absolutely. looking from the outside in, because uh, we're a little America, Canada biased, obviously, in the United States. Um, but when he said being mentally ill doesn't make you mentally weak. And I'm, I tear it up a little because I think it's important for people to hear that for kids, you know, especially like if you have that kind of thing and you're bad, you know, battling that kind of thing your whole life anyways. And then you're under this kind of state, you know, like pressure, man, not only yay, he survived his bet, but for him to now be recognized for it and an inspiration, that was, I think probably the moment of the night. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to bring something up real quick about what? Oh, our rounds. You done? Doing? Yeah, no, I just. Right. Uh, oh, I know. I do want to say though, uh, the opening joke at the NHL because I love it was something along the lines of Gary Bettman was relieved when the Blues won the cup because they could pretend they were saying blues instead of booze, and I just thought that was <laughs> the greatest thing. I hate that dude. Uh, I was listening to something one day and they asked uh, who was it? it? Might have been, I don't know, something on like one of the NHL podcasts, but like. Will they? Everybody ever stop doing that until he retires? And people are like, no, like it's a thing now. Like it's just what you. It's a tradition, just like handing out the cup, right? Like Conn Smythe, 
Boob Gary Batman calls right. my Stanley Cup. <laughs> I liked what uh, Sasha Balkov said. Uh, he had uh, 12 or 15 people in attendance that traveled from Finland. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually said when he was accepting an award that um, there's more people that attended his award ceremony than there was that showed up at his um, my um, Florida Panthers game. Yeah, that may be true. Oh, my God. I know yeah, it may be true, but funny. damn, that's like calling out your own franchise. Yeah. Oh, and so, I, I do want to say... Sweeney, get on the phone and make a phone call. You know, um, the poor Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, they didn't get any poor them. They got swept in the first yeah. round. At least we lost game seven in the last thing. But... Kudos to Nikita Kucherov and I think Vasilevsky yeah, right. uh, deservingly. I yep. everyone kept saying, "Oh Great no, for Tampa no!" Bay. I was right. Kucherov deserved Kucherov, <laughs> right? Ter- terrible play. <laughs> Everything was looking good until about April fifth or sixth or so, whatever. But uh, kudos to them, and I do think Vasilevsky deserved that um, award. Oh, also interestingly, Brad Marchand also did get some votes for that MVP trophy. Everyone's like, "He can't. He's wow. not." Well, somebody thinks that he should maybe be considered. You know? I'd like to give him an award for that, um, that whatever that was at the blue line. But anyway, <laughs> oh my God, why did moving you on, moving God, on, moving on. Heather it. Ingerson, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a okay. real pleasure to get the show out. We took a long time, went through a lot he, of. Here's hoping. Well, a lot of, <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears to get this one out, and I'm, I'm proud. So. Um, uh, before we leave for another episode, we'd like to uh, thank our faithful listeners and please ask that you rate, review, and subscribe to our Black and Gold Hockey podcast on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes or any other podcast platform you currently use. We'd also like to thank today's show sponsor, betonline.ag. And as a reminder, please go to uh, clnsmedia.com slash Bruins and use code CLNS50 to get 50% back on your first deposit. Uh, for myself, Mark Arad, and... Heather Ingerson. Heather Ingerson. Ingerson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We say goodbye for another week. And, yeah, and look forward to episode 133 as we update the players selected in this year's NHL draft. Happening any Bones. minute. And, uh, and, and our thoughts on the upcoming free agency. Uh, so we hope you all, our listeners and families, stay safe. And we look forward to talking to you next, talking at you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Peace.